school. I just want to start off by just thanking all the, uh, the volunteers who uh, adapted today to make church happen at a new location. And so uh, let's give them a hand for all their work to make it happen this morning. Uh, believe it or not, any time that you shift uh, churches from one place to another, there's actually so many different components that go into that. So I appreciate just all the, the work of the volunteers that woke up early, got here, uh, and adjusted and made, made this happen. And so today we're actually launching a new series uh, called The Bible Unabridged. And we're going to be spending the next few weeks uh, actually talking about the Bible itself. And uh, many times at Church in the Valley... Um, every week, in fact, we dig into the scriptures and we look at what the Bible has to say about who God is and how that impacts our life. What does that mean for the different arenas that we face? And uh, for this series, we're actually going to be kind of taking a step back and actually looking at well, the Bible itself. And you'll see the definition of unabridged up there, uh, which is this idea of the Bible is not shortened by leaving out some parts. And so our idea is not just to look at a specific slice of the scriptures, but the whole scriptures, and really talk about God's intent uh, for them in our life, and, and why do we have the Bible, and what does that mean? And so I uh, wanted to kind of set that up, and I'll break down where we're going to be headed uh, over the next few weeks, but before that, I wanted to share a, a brief story just about really the Bible and, and my own life. I remember when I first got uh, my first Bible that I remember kind of being a teenager and I got the men's devotional Bible and my dad bought it for me and he gave it to me. It was kind of like this rite of passage. When your dad hands you the men's devotional Bible, you're like, it doesn't say little boy, you know, it said man. And I began to think like, wow, my dad is giving me this men's devotional Bible and it's my own copy. And on the inside cover, he wrote something to me and he says, you know, May, may this guide your, your life, and may you read it regularly. And he had a quote from D.L. Moody, which it said, This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And I was like, wow, that's a pretty like, strong claim, and a lot on the line there, but it's the Men's Devotional Bible. And through kind of the next few months and the next few years of, in high school, I began to realize that that quote is actually true. And in my life, what I've realized is the Bible is not just mere information that I've experienced or things that I've kind of been able to store in my mind, but it's actually something that has brought life. It's brought boundaries. It's brought clarity. It's brought help. And I've realized that one of the biggest battles I've faced in my life is whether I will carve out the time to read it or not. And back then when my dad handed me the Bible, I didn't know quite the battle that would be, but I would say looking back over the years... The high points and the low points of my life, a lot have been connected to how much I'm either getting into the scriptures or I'm not. And so that's the assumption that I'm making of this series is really this is a book that is actually life giving. And this isn't like a Bible seminar where we're going to offer kind of hours and hours of research into what goes into the scriptures. But we do want to highlight some things. And in the summer, we actually do want to offer a how to dig into the Bible for yourself workshop, and we'll let you guys know about that. But first and foremost, we're approaching this series of, you know, the scriptures is something that actually can guide life. And as I dig it in a regular basis, I realize that God has a way of just giving me the truth that I need at the exact time I need it. And that only happens as you actually open the Bible and as you read it, as you ask God to show you the truth, to show you 
things that you need to know, things that you need to do differently, things that you need to change. And as you ask God for help, he uses the scripture literally to lead us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And so let me just kind of break down where we're going to be the next few weeks. Today we're going to be talking about revealed and how the Bible is God's word revealed to us. He has given it to us. We didn't just create it ourselves, but it's from him. Uh, The week after that, next week, we're going to talk about clarity and how the Bible actually brings clarity to life. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. Then we're going to be talking about uh, the expert, how God gave us the Bible to provide expert help on how to live life his way. So we actually can get expert help from the scriptures itself. And then we're going to close out the the series by talking about everyday instruction. And that's this idea that we actually can get help in the different arenas of life as we dig into the scriptures and ask God to to show us. And so we're going to be spending uh, each week looking at those different areas. Now, you may be here and you may have a different kind of take on what the scriptures are. One, it could be kind of this ancient document that you've heard about, that you've heard people talk about, that you've heard people thump and be on the street corner telling you you need to read it. And it's just kind of this ancient document, this ancient book that you have little experience with. Or you could be like me. You ever go into the hotel and you see that Gideon Bible in the dresser every time you're like, this is a nice hotel. And you open it and it's like, whoa, there's the scriptures. And it's people named Gideon have put it there. And I know for a long time I thought, the Gideons, the Bible, it's in the hotel room. It's something I can always find. I may not read it, but I know it's there in that top drawer by the bed in the hotel room I'm staying in. That may be your view. Or it may be something that you're just not sure it's for real. You've heard lots of different ideas and stories and you're just not sure it's for real. And so wherever you are, you're welcome here. We're not asking you to come in with a predisposed idea, but really to just kind of ask God to show you a little bit more about how the Bible can make a difference in your life. And so if you're willing to at least ask God to kind of just show you, maybe you need to look at it differently, or maybe you need to look at it in a new way, or maybe you just need to look at it for the first time. Uh, My prayer for you is that that will actually happen and you'll be able to look at the scriptures in in a brand new way. So whether you've been a Christ follower for a long time, you're investigating what it means to follow Christ, uh, your idea and your understanding of the scriptures is key to what it means to follow Christ. And so I wanted to set that up and then I want to dig in and kind of talk about how we got to the point where we have the scriptures that we have today. And I'm going to kind of go back to the beginning of the revealed word of God handed to Moses. And if you've ever watched the Ten Commandments, the old school movie with Charlton Heston, there's the scene where he, he has the stone tablets and he's got the commandments of God and he's coming down the mountain and he gives them to the people. Well, that's actually true. That really happened. Charlton Heston didn't make that up. That's actually found in the Bible. And on the tablets, that's where we have the first like revealed word of God. And you find it in Exodus 32. And what you find in the beginning is that God gave us the Bible so we can actually know him. He didn't give us the Bible so we can know how to pass a certain test or we can just kind of get enough ideas so we can talk to people about it. He actually gave it to us so we may know him personally. We're going to talk about what that means. But first and foremost, it's this idea of God gave it to us so we can know him. And that's, that's crucial in our understanding of the scriptures. Exodus 32 says this, Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back, they were written. Verse 16, this is really important. The tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God 
engraved on the tablets. And so here you've got Moses that has the first recorded words of God, and he's holding the tablets to bring to the people. As he brings it to the people, it's the idea of this is what God wants from us. This is how God wants us to live. This is God's view on the life that we should live. In verse 16, it's decided they are the work of God and they are the writings of God. Was it manufactured by Moses? In fact, in Exodus 31, it talks about the writings came from the finger of God himself on those tablets. It came from God himself. And so you see it's the work of God and it's the writing of God. So it's this power that, that Moses held in his hands, the tablets of the revealed word of God telling us how we should live, how life should look. And so God really, he disclosed himself to us. He didn't have to do this. And so since he did that, it, it begs the question, what can we learn from the self-disclosure of God? Well, the first thing we can learn is, is that he actually loves us. Because he decided to give us the word of God, his own words, and give us the truth about how life works and about how we should live, you actually can draw the conclusion that that's because he loves us. He loves us. If you've ever done a puzzle, I don't know how many of you are puzzle people, but every time you buy a puzzle, I'm the kind that I like the 25-piece puzzle. You know, the ones that two-year-olds, that's my kind of puzzle. The big pieces where you put one in, you're like, I've got it. But then you get these puzzles that are like the 500, 1,000, 1,500, and it's all the same color. And you're thinking, this is going to take me three years. And you've got to devote a coffee table. You've got to eat on the floor. You can't even eat on your kitchen table anymore because you have this puzzle with all these pieces. But the cruelest thing that would ever happen in the history of puzzle making is if you had a box and on the front of the box it was blank and it said, figure it out. What would you do? You got home and it was wrapped and you couldn't see the front and you, you dump out all the puzzle pieces on the table and you, okay guys, let's set up the box so we can see the picture. And you look and there's nothing there. You'd concur that this puzzle maker manufacturer stinks. In fact, they may hate me because there's no way I can do a puzzle without the picture of what it looks like. And this is the same with the scriptures. What God has done is he created us. And we're here on earth and we're here trying to live life. And instead of us being left alone without a picture of what life is, he gives us the scriptures. That shows his love. Well, why would he love us? Well, he wants us to know him. He wants us to know how life works. He actually wants us to know how to please him. He didn't leave us to figure it out. He didn't leave us with all the pieces of our life, all the complexities of the things we face. He didn't leave us with us trying to figure out, well, I think this area with this person goes here. I think this problem with my kid goes here. And I think the stress I'm facing goes here. And as you look, you realize, I can't create this picture. I don't know what it should look like. But God himself shows us this is what the picture is. This is what life is. This is reality. If you look at the scriptures, you can see the picture that he wants to create. This is really the opposite of, of apathy. If God didn't care, if he didn't love us, he would just leave us alone. So many of us, you see the scriptures and as you read it, you think, 
oh no, it's another thing I have to think differently, or it's a different attitude I have to choose, or there's another commandment I have to remember, and there's this idea that it can feel very restrictive. Well, it's actually the opposite. The more clarity we have, the more life gets better, because we actually know what we should be doing. We actually know what life should look like, and from there, there actually is more freedom. We don't have to be disillusioned. We don't have to be confused. Second thing, his self-disclosure shows that he can be trusted. As you read in this account in Exodus, it's the words of God from him. Man did not create this himself. So it's actually free of political party. It's free of an agenda. God doesn't want to use us in any way. There's not an agenda he gives apart from this is the way you should live. This is what's important. This is what you should look out for. It's, it's a roadmap. It's a guide. And we can trust the one that wants to give us the direction. So we can find his love. We can see that he can be trusted. From the fact that he himself revealed his words to us. They were spoken. They were written. And today we have an account of what that is. Second Peter, in the New Testament of the Scriptures, so that was the Old Testament, in the New Testament you see kind of this, this idea continued. And this is really, how does this fit with the new Christians as Jesus came and he lived his life and he ascended back into heaven? They were left with, okay, what, what does it mean to follow Christ and what are we supposed to do? And there was so much kind of confusion of what the church was supposed to be about and how they were supposed to live their life. And he again reminds them, you know, you need to follow the words of God. You need to follow what... He has told us what he told our fathers, what he told their fathers. This idea of you need to stay true to the truth. And he's saying that God is the source of the scriptures. We have to stick to the Bible. We have to stick to what he says. And he says this in 2 Peter 1. And it echoes the same idea as Exodus 32. This is what Peter says. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So no prophecy comes from the will of man, but from the will of God. And God used the writers as he carried them along by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've ever dug into the scriptures, you may see that there's like lots of books and it's written over a long period of time. There's 66 books. It's written over about... 1,500 years, there's about 40 different writers. And you may think, how does that work? Honestly, how does that work? How can such a span of time, different experiences, different backgrounds, different writers, different perspectives, how can that work? And what Peter says in this verse is critical. God led the writers. We don't exactly know exactly what that looks like. The idea of carried along by the Holy Spirit is the idea of like a wind in the sail. The wind guides, and the Spirit guided the writers. Again, not that they're producing their own agenda or their own interpretation or their own ideas. Now, this is really good news. Because if I sat up here and said, you know, there's 40 writers, and each of them kind of decided themselves what you needed to read in the Scriptures, we would say, how would they, how would they know? How would they know what it means to follow Christ here and now in the state of California in 2014? How would they know what it means to follow Christ as an American? They weren't American. That's un-American. 
we'd have that approach. Because we're not going to trust 40 different people that can come up somehow with this idea of what the Bible should be. No. Peter knows that, and he says, well, that's good news. Because no prophecy comes from man. They didn't create this. They didn't think this up themselves. It wasn't a conspiracy theory. They didn't meet somehow over a period of time. We have no idea how that worked and just kind of tried to have the same idea. No, it's this idea of the Holy Spirit was involved. God is the source of the Bible. And what we have today are his thoughts, his words, his truth. That we can trust and know his love for us because of it. And so all this is connected. And so really what you find there, what Peter's saying is the Holy Spirit, he's the divine author of Scripture. He's the author. There were many writers, but he's the author pulling it all together to give us what we have today. The Bible that we can actually build our life on. And so that, that's a lot of information. That's just a lot of just this picture of, well, this is true, then what does this mean? And that's a key question we all have to come up with. Because if this is really the Word of God and He's given it to us, then we have to now approach the Scriptures from a certain angle. Either we believe that's true, and we decide we need to get into it to find out what He wants to tell us, or we don't believe it's true, and we have to figure out, then, then what do I base my life on? Then how do I know what true is? How do I know what reality is? And so we each have a choice. If this is true, what do we do with it? And so begs the question, how do we know that the Bible came from God? And I want to talk briefly about three channels we all use to verify truth. If anyone ever wants to tell you something, we have kind of these channels that we all use to decide, well, is this really true? Is this real? Is this something that... I'm actually going to decide I'm going to do. And we all do this in, in different ways. And so the first thing is uh, intellectual. Anytime we're learning new information, we have to decide, is, is this intellectually believable? Is there enough that I'm learning about that tells my brain that this is something that I can actually believe in? So here's the intellectual side. This is, is there good evidence? Are the arguments logically sound? Are they consistent? Are they superior to alternative views? Now, you may never have done this with the scriptures, but you do this all the time with infomercials. Have you ever seen an infomercial? All of a sudden, it just sucked you in. And it's literally saying like, Alex, you woke up this morning and you needed to buy me. Because your life is not going to be the same unless you pay three payments of $19.95, not $20. It's cheaper. I've done this. All of a sudden, I'm living my life, I see an infomercial, and I think, that makes complete sense. Because I need glue that will fill in holes on a boat, so when I float on the water, it will not sink. You guys have seen that one, right? Changes your life. And so you think, is there there reasoning logical, like, do I really need this? Or you, you meet somebody, and they have this... This product that's going to help them save their hair to cure baldness. And they give you all the, the ideas. Here, here it works. Here's all the facts. Here's all the research. It works. The science is in it. And as intellectually people present an argument to you and you receive it, you begin to think, okay, that, that's believable. My brain doesn't have to shut off to believe it. 
The same is true with the scriptures. Many people think from a science background or people that are in academia that, you know, for you to be a Christian, you have to turn your brain off and then it works. But if your brain's on, there's kind of tension there. It's actually not true. There's people throughout history and the scriptures themselves, people that were so intelligent that have actually been able to look at the facts Look at all the different ways that we can know the Scripture and believe that this, this is true. Intellectually, it can be trusted. The, the second channel is pragmatic. And this begs the question, does it really work? Could I do this? Could I make it work? So back to maybe a, the product that grows your hair. There's an infomercial and it. It's going to cure your baldness. And you meet a friend that's bought the product. And their hair is growing back. And you begin to think, well, that, that really works. It worked for them. It could work for me. And with scriptures, the same thing happens. When you meet people that read the Bible, and you actually see that they have a perspective that's different than yours, and they actually have like a hope that you don't really know within yourself, that's that pragmatic arm working. There's something in that that you see it really works for them. You don't not sure if it's going to work for you, but you see that it works for them and it, it's kind of perking your interest. It's making a difference. It's making them see things differently. What would be terrible for you is actually an opportunity for them to trust God. And you think, well, how could this be? And then they share with you maybe a scripture that the God used that gave them hope. And all of a sudden you look at it differently. Wow, this scripture gave them hope. Where if I face this by myself, I wouldn't have it. This is that pragmatic. It's something that it's actually works for people. And so if you're not sure about the scriptures, I encourage you, one of the best things you can do is get around somebody who actually reads it, tries to live it out, puts their trust in it, and kind of find out the difference that it makes in their life. That's how you can pragmatically see that the scriptures make a difference. So you need to know the facts intellectually. You need to dig in. You need to get questions answered. You don't need to shut your brain off. Your actually brain needs to be fully engaged. And then you need to be around people that pragmatically are living it out and it works. And it makes a difference. And you need to see how that looks. And the last is emotional. How do I feel about this? How do I feel about those who hold this view? Now back to an infomercial. It's always a great idea from any company that wants to sell you something, right? And then you realize, wait a second, I'm handing my credit card to them. They're getting my money. And while their, their logic makes sense, and while they're showing all the people that it makes a difference for, the bottom line is, I have to pay them. And so emotionally you have to decide, well, can I trust this person? There's the word, never trust the person that's trying to sell you something. Now, if you're in sales, I apologize, but that is partly true. If someone has something to gain or lose by you giving them their credit card, you can't fully trust what they have to say. Now, it doesn't mean that every salesman is dishonest. I used to be in sales. But there's an idea here that goes back to the origin of the Scriptures. If it's based on the prophecy of man based on the agenda of a political party, based on the agenda of a specific group, 
then the scriptures can't fully be trusted. But since it's from God, who doesn't want to use us in any way, doesn't want us to kind of fit in this certain box that he has, but he actually wants to give us life, then emotionally, you have to decide, can, can I trust this? What would be gained if I actually lived according to the scriptures? What would be gained if I actually dug in to find it for myself? And the opposite, emotionally, what, what would I lose? What would happen if I actually did live by the Bible? Now, all these, the intellectual, the pragmatic, and the emotional, all these work together, and we do this all the time. It's how we decide what we believe. It's how we decide what we think is true. But all of them have to work together. In college, I had an experience where I realized that the three of these have to work together for something to work. And it came in the experience of skateboarding off a roof into a swimming pool. And I live here today telling you that these three channels are true. Because what I realized is, emotionally, I was with a group of guys and we thought, hey, there's a roof, there's a pool, here's a board with wheels, what would happen if you, like, launched off? And you get a bunch of guys in college, and you start to think, like, this stuff is great ideas. And I started emotionally getting, like, this is, aw- this is awesome, like, it's the middle of winter, but who cares, we're just going to fly off... And so emotionally, I was getting pumped. And, you know, the group of guys, everyone's like, this is going to be awesome. Let's all do it. And we're all getting fired up. And all of a sudden, I thought, well, how smart is that? Because emotionally, I'm right there. Like, I've got the tennis shoes on. But there's also a thing called gravity. What happens when the wheels come off the roof and I'm on it? And so what began to happen, what emotionally seemed really awesome and totally pumped, I began to think, like, What would my life look like if I don't make it into the pool? That's a good question. And I began to realize, you know, intellectually, this is really dumb. It may cost me my life. And pragmatically, I saw some guys do it before me. And the problem with that, you start to think that you can do it. But I've never skateboarded in my whole life, really. And so pragmatically, will it work? Well, I can't really do it on concrete, on the ground. How will it look in the air, losing the gravity? And so needless to say, I didn't do it. And emotionally, I was kind of hurt. I wasn't one of the cool kids flying off the roof into the pool. But you know what I was? I was an alive college student. And I'm here today to tell you that these truths... These three verifications are very important. And that's funny. But in life, it's very true. We have to come to the point where we have to really look at the Scriptures. And it's even true for following Christ. And that is intellectually, pragmatically, and emotionally. What's my view? This means you have to investigate the Scriptures. This means you actually have to get your your hands around it. And if you get your hands around it, you really look into it and you actually study for yourself and you try to get answers yourself. If at that point you realize, I cannot trust it, then you've done your due diligence. But you have to do your due diligence. You have to decide you're going to try to get your hands around it because that's the only way we know. 
We can't stand far off and make assumptions. We actually have to draw in and draw conclusions. And that's true for every one of us. We have to decide, can I trust the Bible? Because the Bible is foundational. And if you're not sure you can stand on that foundation, you're not going to trust it. And if you don't trust it, you're not going to live by it. And if you don't live by it, then it doesn't really make a difference in your life. And God intends for the scriptures to make a difference in my life and in your life. So we each have to decide to get our hands around it, to actually open it, do some research about it. Throughout this series, we're going to provide some different resources that you can use that can help you uh, in this process. The Case for Faith, um, if you're a guest today, there's actually a chapter in there that can help you. It's, Can the Bible be Trusted? So I encourage you to read that if you're not sure. There's a book called More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. It's another good book where it looks at this idea of, can I trust the Bible? So if you're not sure, read those. But more importantly, start reading the Bible. And see, see what happens. Take a challenge. Just see, see what happens. What tends to happen if, if we don't get our hands around the Scriptures and if we don't decide that we are actually going to try to discover what it says, we begin just to edit it out. We just begin to decide, you know, I like this part, but this part, man, this emotionally, this made me angry and this frustrated me. I don't think this is true. And so we begin to edit it and kind of cut that part of the scriptures out. But again, it's unabridged. It's all connected. And God wants us to put ourselves under the whole thing. Back in the day, Thomas Jefferson really liked the teaching of Jesus. But he had a problem with the divinity of him. And he just didn't think that he was God. He thought, you know, he's a good moral teacher, just like other moral teachers of the time. And so he actually abridged the scriptures with a razor blade because back, you know, there was no kinkos. He couldn't like copy and paste. He had to actually take the Bible and with a razor blade was cut out the scriptures that he liked of Jesus' teaching. And then all the things that talked about him being God and miracles and kind of talking about his divinity, he left in. And then he took that and he put it with the teachings of other moral teachers. And he had this one book and it's the philosophy of Jesus. Today it's maybe known as the Jefferson Bible. You'll see that on the the thing there. But as I was looking at this, and you can actually look at the pages, you can see where he razor bladed it out. Then he had to change some words so that it would make sense because he had edited it. What he had done is he decided that I can't really trust the whole thing. I'm just going to pick and choose. I just want to pull out the teachings that make sense to me. And there's a part in all of us that, that we want to do that. We want to edit. We want to cut. We want to copy. We want to paste. But the Bible is not a word document. We can edit. It is actually the authority And the words of God. And so God wants us in the things that challenge us and the things that we don't understand to not discard it, but to actually wrestle with it. Because it actually does us no use to just pick and choose what makes sense. Because it's from God. If we cut that out, we're basically chopping off some important perspective, some important truth that God wants us to know. So I want to encourage you, if you're just reading the scripture sometimes and you think, like, I don't understand that, or I can't chew on that, that just doesn't make sense, or I don't even think that's true, 
before you discard it, again, wrestle with it a little bit. Ask God to show you what in your mind is preventing you from believing that. Ask God to show you anything that you kind of just, an assumption you have that's not right. Instead of editing the Bible, you actually find that the Bible will edit you. We don't edit the Bible. The Bible edits us. In other words, we don't judge it. It judges us. And when you allow the Bible to judge you and basically tell you this is what reality is, like we talked about the last two weeks, this is what normal is, this is God's view of how life should work, man, life is sweet. And there's blessing that comes. Because as we decide to submit ourselves and allow the Bible to judge us and show us right from wrong, we have the picture of life. Just like on the puzzle, we have the picture that God wants us to base our life on. So I want to end with just brief advantages of letting the Bible judge me, opposed to letting me edit the Bible. Uh, The first is, uh, it clears up a lot of confusion. If you're here today and you'd like to know uh, what it means to be honest with your money, you can look at a lot of self-help books, you can look at a lot of different uh, ways to do that. You can look at a show, you can look at an infomercial, you could talk to people, but the Bible actually has a lot to say about money and how to be honest with it. And so while you may be confused and not sure, if you dig in the scriptures, it can actually, again, provide clarity. And what's confusing or what's vague or what just seems like a blur, the Bible can actually speak to, and it does speak to very specifically. And so you decide, will I actually try to live by what, the God, what God says in the Bible about money? Will I allow that to be the framework and the foundation that, that I build on? So that's the first thing. The second is, uh, the pressure is off to figure out everything on my own. We all want direction. It's true. God made us that way. None of us would just like to just be wandering aimlessly. That grinds at, at us at the core. We may seem like we have it all together, but there's a part of us where we know, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just walking, trying to figure it out. It doesn't work. So the Bible gives us the direction because God wants to lead us and and guide us. And so we don't have to kind of have this weight of trying to figure out life by myself based on my own experience, based on my own reasoning. And the third is, I can focus on what I need to do without needing to manipulate the results. If God has given us the truth, then we don't have to decide what's right and what's wrong. He's told us. We don't need to decide, well, I'm going to do whatever makes me happy. When I'm younger, it looks like this. And when I'm older, it may look like this. No, I don't need to try to create the perfect life for myself. God has actually painted the picture of what my life should look like. So there's actually so much freedom like I've been mentioning. There's this idea that he wants us to know him. And I don't need to try to figure and predict and make sure everything goes exactly like I want. 
if you're like me, your life is probably not exactly like you thought it would go. It may be better than you thought. It may be worse than you thought. You may thought, well, I, I had no idea what was going to happen, but here you are. The good news is, no matter where you are, or the picture that you thought your life would be, or where you thought you'd be and where you're not, God, through the Scriptures, can actually, from here on out, decide, as you live by it, you can actually make a difference. God will make a difference in your life as you decide to submit to the Bible, and ultimately as you submit to God. And so I, I encourage you, take some time this week, before you come back next week and kind of dig into more of this, take your time, where, where are you in relationship to, to the Bible? Like, What's your view of it? How serious do you take it? How much time do you spend in it? What's your reservations? What's your confusions? Kind of think through the different things that are kind of in your head related to it. And as you deal with some of those assumptions that you have, as you deal with just some of those realities that you have in your brain, this can help you know kind of where you need to head. Maybe the issue that's holding you up. And so God knows, and he will actually give you the clarity if you, if you want it. So identify those. Identify any of the rubs that you may have. And ask God to give you the clarity. I'm going to wrap up like we do each week by encouraging you to take uh, some next steps. And like anything, you can sit and you can listen, and this could even feel like an infomercial yourself. And as you're sitting here, you're thinking, can I emotionally believe what this guy is saying? Can I pragmatically? Can I intellectually? And that may be different from all of you, but what you can do, regardless of how you feel, you can decide to just take an action step. And in the action, you actually can experience growth. So we've got two that you can take. It's not limited to these two. But I encourage you to just think through where you are in the next step. The, the, next, uh, the first one is, uh, draw my own conclusions about the origin of the Bible. And this is that idea of get, get your, your hands around it. Open it up. Read it. Ask questions. If you're not sure where to start, ask a staff member. Ask somebody that leads your group that you're a part of. Or ask somebody that you just met. And just ask for help. You're not sure where to start, ask for help, and you can actually begin to get handle on the scriptures. And so that's one way you can do your due diligence. The second is uh, attend the rest of the series. Just decide, you know, I'm not sure where I fit in all this and the scripture and the authority and the truth, but just decide that you'll, you'll come back and, and just hear the other parts. And then continue just to kind of figure out how you can get your life into the Bible as well. And so those are two. Please feel free to mark one of those on your connection card. Uh, I'm going to pray. The band's going to come up, and then we're going to receive our offering. And you can drop that completed connection card in there when that comes by. Let's pray together. God, thank you for giving us the Scriptures and... I know myself, so many times I, I take that for granted and just approach it like this is words on a page. And I forget that this is actually the living God who could be indifferent. You, you actually chose to make a difference. And you actually chose to give us your thoughts 
And we don't completely understand them. And we don't completely know everything that you do. But God, I, I stand here knowing that you can be trusted. And when I actually live by the Bible and put my life under it, it goes way better than when I try to just make it up as I go along. And so God, I pray for all of us in here that we'll decide to at least consider the scriptures and decide for ourselves uh, if we can trust it. God, you know the questions that we have. You know the different ideas about it. You know whether we're tired, whether we're apathetic, whether we're indifferent. And God, I pray that no matter where we are, we'll experience the life that can come uh, from the words that you've given us. And so I thank you, God, that you act on our behalf continually. And we look for you to give us this help. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.